Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a crime drama from the Philippines to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. This week, I have three petitions to talk to you about before I get into the show. You can find the link to all three at any of the social media accounts for this podcast. Twitter and Instagram are at OfficialHYSI, and Facebook is Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. The first two are straightforward. The first one is to mandate de-escalation training for police officers nationwide. The fact that it isn't already a nationwide thing is ridiculous. It's been proven that de-escalation training saves lives, so why not do it? We need to make it mandatory nationwide, so please go sign the petition. The next one is to ban the use of rubber bullets. Rubber bullets are made up of a metal core coated in rubber. They can be extremely lethal, and because they are labeled less lethal, they are used as a form of crowd control. They are supposed to be shot into the ground so that the initial impact of them is taken away. Unfortunately, over the last several weeks, we have seen videos all over social media of police officers firing them directly into crowds and not at the ground. They are huge. They're about the size of your palm. So imagine that coming at you with nothing to lessen that blow. People have lost eyes. People have had brain damage from them. They cause more damage and injuries than they control crowds. They should absolutely be banned. Please sign the petition. And for this last one, I wish I had more information to give you about it. But the reason the petition exists is because there is no information. What we do know is that 19-year-old Taylor Blackwell was found dead at the Wood Springs Suites Hotel in South Sacramento at around midnight on February 28th of this year. And that's it. Her family has no idea why she was at the hotel, who she was meeting, or even the cause of her death. Her mother was denied access to the body by the coroner's office and wasn't able to see her until the funeral, which doesn't make sense to me because don't they need somebody to ID the body? Like, even if there is identification on the person, usually they have a family member confirm their ID, no? This petition is to bring justice and probably, more importantly, answers for Taylor and her family. She was a 19-year-old psychology major at Sierra College, and the police have done nothing to help find her justice. Please take the 10 seconds it takes to sign the petition, because she and her family deserve justice. Black Lives Matter. Also, before I jump into the show, if you guys have any show suggestions that you want me to cover on this podcast, then let me know on Twitter. I'll talk a little bit more about this at the end of the episode, but I just wanted to say it here because I know not everyone listens all the way to the end. So if you have a show you would like me to watch, then definitely let me know and I will watch it. Okay, so this week I'm going to be talking about Amo, and if you are a fan of the show Narcos, then you will probably enjoy this show as well. It came out in 2017, and like I said, it is a crime drama from the Philippines. It was written by Troy Espiritu and directed by Brillante Mendoza. It is a TV5 network production, and it is available on Netflix. There is only one season, and it has 13 episodes, all of them between 21 and 25 minutes, so it doesn't take you that long to get through the 13 episodes. The word amo is Filipino for boss, by the way, so that's what it is in English. 
The show takes place in Mandaluyong in the Philippines. They do go to some other places in the Philippines, but the majority of the show takes place in Mandaluyong. It's located on the island of Luzon in metropolitan Manila, and it is located directly east of Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. The Philippines is a Southeast Asian country. It's located on the Pacific Ring of Fire, which means that it is at risk for earthquakes and typhoons. Typhoons are similar to hurricanes, for those that don't know, but because of the warm weather, they are usually stronger than hurricanes. However, hurricanes cause more damage because of the location in the world that they take place. So there's more land where hurricanes hit versus where typhoons hit. But the Philippines is made up of about 7,641 islands in the Western Pacific Ocean. There are no land borders for the Philippines, but the South China Sea separates it from Taiwan to the north, China to the northwest, Vietnam to the west, and Malaysia, Singapore, and Brunei to the southwest. The Celebes Sea separates the Philippines from Indonesia to the south and Papua New Guinea to the southeast. And the Philippine Sea separates the Philippines from Japan to the north. I will include a photo on Instagram so you guys can get a clearer picture. It's hard to see Brunei on it because it is so small, but I'll try to point it out. And I will make sure to mark where in the Philippines the show takes place as well. Last week's episode was about the Taiwanese show Triad Princess. That is the closest show that I have covered to where this show takes place. But Vagabond from South Korea, Bangkok Bachelors from Thailand, and Smoking from Japan are also close. And I will mark those in the photo as well so you can see that. Again, I think that's interesting. I don't know if you guys do, but I'm going to do it anyways. Some fun facts about the Philippines. The Philippines is the only majority Christian nation in all of Asia. About 80% of the population is Roman Catholic. The national animal is the Philippine eagle. It is the largest of all eagles standing over three feet. That's crazy. Imagine coming across a bird that's three feet. That's a dinosaur. That's not a bird. That's a dinosaur. It is critically endangered. There are only around 180 to 500 eagles remaining in the wild. And if you kill one, you will go to jail for 12 years and have to pay a large fine. So don't fight it, just run. In the Philippines, it is considered rude to open a gift right after receiving it. You're supposed to wait. Didn't say how long you're supposed to wait. I don't know if you're supposed to wait till they leave or if you're like five minutes is good. But like me, when I get a gift, I wanna open it right away. So that would be like a real test of my patience. The English words boonies and boondocks are based off of the Tagalog boondock, which means mountain. It was brought here to North America in the 1940s, most likely by soldiers that were stationed in the Philippines during World War II. The capital, Manila, is the most densely populated city in the world. Its population density is 111,000 people per square mile. To put that into perspective, here in the U.S., our most densely populated city is New York City. One in every 38 people in the U.S. lives in New York City, which is crazy. That's also a new fact that I just found out. But anyways, the population density there is about 28,000 people per square mile. Obviously, New York City has more people, about 7 million more people to be exact. But it's also about 30 times the size of Manila. Manila is only about 16.56 square miles and New York City is 468.484 square miles. So if you want a better comparison, we can just talk about Manhattan, which is the most densely populated of the five boroughs. And I think it's like 22 square miles, so it's definitely closer in size. The population density of Manhattan is about 69 and a half thousand people per square mile. So add about 41 and a half thousand more people per square mile. And that's how densely populated Manila is, which is crazy. 
The Philippines Basketball Association is the second oldest professional basketball league in the world behind only the NBA. The last fun fact is that the city of Mandaluyong, where the show takes place, is also known as Tiger City because of the amount of business and economic progress that city has made. And you'll see that name in different places throughout the show. Like, I think the opening scene, you'll see it on one of the police cruisers. It says Tiger City on it. They speak mostly Filipino in this show. Filipino is a language that is kind of a hybrid of different languages. I'm sure there will be some people that will get mad at me for saying that, but that's basically what it is. It's mostly made up of Tagalog words, which is a native language spoken by the Tagalog people. They make up the majority of the people on Luzon, which, remember, is the island that the show takes place on. About 80% of Filipino is Tagalog, and the other 20% or so is made up of mostly Spanish and English words that have been modified to fit the grammar rules. And I will show some examples of that later, but there are also some words from other Filipino languages like Cebuano and Waray. The main purpose of creating the Filipino language was to try to unite all of the people of the Philippines. There are over a hundred different languages spoken in the Philippines, and there are some people that don't speak Filipino, even though it is the national language. And that has to do with the refusal to learn Tagalog because the Tagalog people, which is the second largest ethno-linguistic group in the Philippines, don't learn their languages, but also because they don't need to in certain parts of the country. A lot of the times, Filipino and Tagalog are considered the same language, but there is a difference. But I wanted to mention the fact that it uses English and Spanish words because when watching this show, you will hear them say words or phrases that you might understand, but they aren't actually speaking English or Spanish. It is Filipino. And like I said, I will talk about some examples when I go over the words and phrases that I picked up while watching the show. Now also, there are a few times where they do speak English, but you will know because it it's just English and there are no subtitles. Then there are other times where you hear them speaking Filipino and you'll hear like an English word. That's they're speaking Filipino still. Same thing with Spanish. They also speak like a little Japanese, but it's only like a couple scenes, but it is mostly Filipino. The only audio alternative is an audio description option in Filipino and subtitles are available in English, simplified Chinese, traditional Chinese, Spanish, and closed caption Filipino. This show is rated TVMA. The disclaimers that Netflix gives are nudity, substances, language, and smoking. I also want to add that there is some violence in this show. I had to look away a couple of times, so keep that in mind. The links to all the websites where I got the information for this show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. So when it comes to the cast of this show, I'm going to keep it pretty much just the main character and his family. And you will notice that most of these names, if not all of them, are Spanish sounding names. And that's because they are. And it's due to the Spanish colonization of the Philippines that started in 1565 and lasted until 1898 when Spain lost the Spanish-American War and the Philippines became a territory of the U.S. But the Spanish colonization is the reason most of these names are Spanish, like I just said. They were forced on them for taxation reasons, and today most Filipinos follow the Spanish name system, where the child takes on both the father and mother's last names. But in the Philippines, the mother's last name becomes their middle name. So if the politician Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was born in the Philippines, her name would be Alexandria Cortez Ocasio. Doesn't have the same flow to it, but that's what her name would be. I'm mentioning this one so you know why they have Spanish names, because I was wondering when I first started watching, 
these shows and mostly I started watching Filipino movies, but also because the people of the Philippines had their own naming customs and they were different with each group. Like I said, the Tagalogs was one group, the Warai were another group. They had their different customs. But since the Spanish colonization and then later the American occupation, these customs have been lost for the most part. And that both makes me sad and also pisses me off. So I wanted to mention it so for those two reasons, so that you know their names were not always like this. These names were forced on them. Yeah, and it pisses me off. But let's get back to the show. It revolves around Joseph and his uncle for the most part, but first, Joseph Molina. He is in high school and he works as a runner for the local gang and he is played by Vince Riolin. Next is Joseph's uncle, Camilo Molina. He is a sergeant with the local police force and he is played by Alan Dizon. Joseph's sister, Jillian Molina, is played by Natalie Satoy and she lives in Manila with her boyfriend, Bino Campos, who is played by Felix Rocco and they have a baby daughter together. Joseph's mom, Mierna, is played by Ruby Ruiz, and his father, Tang is played by Dexter Macarag, and that, by the way, is a native last name. It means awesome, I believe. But his father is a paraplegic who is a former police officer like his brother, Camillo, and I believe he was injured while on duty. The only non-family member I'm gonna mention right now is Officer Rodrigo Macarag, who is played by Derek Ramsey. He works alongside Camillo and he plays a significant role in the show, which is why I wanna mention him. I'm not gonna tell you what role he plays. I also don't think I talk about him at all when I go over the plot, but I do wanna mention him because he does play a significant role. If I didn't mention a character that you think I should have, then let me know on Twitter. Keep in mind though that there are some characters I purposely leave out because just mentioning them would be a spoiler. And I think I'm gonna mention one, maybe two other characters while going over the plot. But if you think I've left anybody out, then please let me know. The description for the show given by Netflix is, Despite the Philippine government's crackdown on narcotics, high schooler Joseph expands his drug running while his cop uncle profits from corruption. I was so excited to read this description, mainly because it was the first Filipino TV show that I saw on Netflix, but also because it wasn't a rom-com or a romantic drama. If you listen to other episodes of this podcast, you know I love a good rom-com. And I love a good romantic drama. In fact, some of my favorite rom-com and romantic drama movies are Filipino ones. Netflix has a great collection of Filipino movies in that category. But when I was looking for a new show to watch, I had just spent an entire day watching nothing but Filipino romantic dramas. So I was one, all cried out. And two, just really wasn't in the mood for another romantic show. So seeing that this was a crime drama was exciting. But the show opens with a huge nighttime raid being carried out by the police. We see people running through the streets. We see the police going into homes and dragging out men, both older men and younger men. And then it goes into the intro. It's probably about two minutes of that, kind of like a montage, if you will. And when it comes back from the intro, we see Joseph at school and we see him making his way to class. And when he gets there, we see him you know, take his seat and he's joking with one of the other students, telling him that he was taking too long at the door. And then the teacher arrives, she tells them to take out a piece of paper to write their names on it, and it's it's all very normal, right? I had a flashback to high school and having substitute teacher and them having us pass around a piece of paper and writing our names down for attendance, right? Like, we've all been there, we've all had that happen in class, so it's very, very normal. And then, like Joseph, this was the student that I was, him and his friend sitting next to him both didn't have a piece of paper, so they ask a girl behind them if they can have a piece of her paper, 
And I'm pretty sure she has to give a piece to like almost everyone sitting around her. But like I said, I was the student that never had a paper, so. But then the class continues the way any class does, right? The teacher asks if they read the assignment. Everybody basically lies and says that they have. And then she asks a question about it. And like the only two students that actually read the assignment answer the question. And then we see Joseph get a text from Edgar, who is the local gang leader, and he's played by JC Tan. It doesn't translate what the message means, but don't worry, I did, sort of. I put it into Google Translate three different ways. The first time I typed it in and it said that it meant the troop is traveling alone. Troop, spelled T-R-O-U-P-E. And then I use the instant camera function. So on your phone, if you have the Google Translator app, you can open the camera through the app, point it at a sign, or in this case, the text message, and it will instantly translate it for you. And it said it meant troops traveling, yes. Troops spelled T-R-O-O-P-S. And then I scanned it using the camera and it said it meant troop on the way back. Troop, T-R-O-U-P-E. So either it's a code or Google Translate is as bad as everyone says it is. And to be honest, it could be both. <laughs> I mean, it most likely is both, which if this isn't a wonderful example of use Google Translate with caution, I don't know what is. But if you know what tropa papiaje naman means, can you please let me know on Twitter? Because it has something to do with troops. I know that. But other than that, I don't know. So please let me know if you know. But Joseph immediately asks if he can leave once he gets this text message. And of course, the teacher's like, well, where are you going? You can't just leave the classroom. And then he says that he has to go to the bathroom, that his stomach hurts. And the teacher's like, okay, fine. If your stomach hurts, just go. But please be quick. And then we see Joseph make his way through the school to the, a part of the school that he can sneak out of. And it's actually pretty cool watching him walk through the school because you see what looks like maybe like a dance class happening. And it, I don't know what type of dance they're doing. If you know what type of dance they're doing, then please let me know. But it is pretty cool watching them do the dance. But like I said, he's making his way to part of the school that he can sneak out of because he can't just walk out the front door. That's not allowed there. That's not allowed here in the U.S. I don't think that's allowed anywhere. I don't think students can just leave school. But we see him make his way to Edgar, who is usually found in an arcade, and he gives Joseph some money to go and get him some drugs. And Joseph asks if he can have like some more money for transportation and for food. And Edgar's like, yeah, your bike's outside, so just go and use that. And Joseph's like, Ugh, fine, cool, whatever. So we see him grab his bike and then ride through the city in like a montage that shows you the living conditions that they live in. And let's be honest, they're not great. It's not good. It is definitely a poor part of the city. And we also see the police presence that is there. Not all of the police officers are in uniform or like uniforms that we are accustomed to seeing here in the US. Some are just wearing polos and jeans or like a lanyard around their neck. And I normally would say like, oh, that's just like a community out like community police type thing. But later in the show, as the show goes on, you'll see like there are a ton of different police departments involved in this show. There's police that are dressed like normal police officers that way we in America envision police officers there are police officers that are dressed like military style and then there are these police officers that are wearing jeans and polos there are some police officers that are not wearing uniforms at all like so many different type of police officers absolutely insane but the police officers that we see at the beginning are just wearing the polos and jeans and they are like checking people. There's different checkpoints throughout the city. Each person that tries to pass through them, they either pat them down, they check their bags, or in some cases they just let them go through. 
And Joseph gets stopped on his way to his destination. And he gets out of being checked by saying that he was on his way home to get his lunch that he left at home because they really more stopped him because they were like, aren't you supposed to be in school? He's in his school uniform. So they're like, aren't you supposed to be at school? And like I said, he's he says that he has to go get home to get his lunch. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything that happens with Joseph's midday solo field trip. I'm not going to tell you if it goes perfect. I'm not going to tell you if he gets in trouble. If you want to know if he gets stopped or even makes it back to school without getting caught, you'll have to watch the show for yourself. But the first episode is really good and it caught my attention right away because nothing is worse than a show that takes two or three episodes to actually get going. And with only 13 episodes, this show couldn't take that time to slowly develop the storyline. They just have to jump right in and they jump right in and it was really, really good. The description also lets you know that we see Joseph become more involved with drug running and watching that happen step by step was interesting and captivating. So even though they jump right in, they do show you the step by step process and it doesn't do it in a way that glorifies the lifestyle, in my opinion. That was one of the criticisms that this show got was that it glorified the lifestyle and glorified violence. But to me, while they do show what some of the positives appear to be of that lifestyle, they then follow it with the realities of the negatives that come along with drugs and gang life and violence. And I thought it was amazing. I couldn't stop watching this show like I didn't want to stop watching it and I wish there were more than 13 episodes because I would just keep watching. The description also mentions Joseph's uncle Camillo and how he profits off corruption but I'm not really gonna get into that because his storyline has quite a bit of spoilers. I'm also not gonna mention the first time we meet him because that is a spoiler as well. I will say we don't meet him until the second episode but the events that lead us to him is a spoiler and they're crazy and nerve-wracking and tense and I wasn't sure how it was gonna go and I wasn't really fully expecting the way that it did so I will leave you at that but like I said earlier this show mostly follows Joseph through his journey of drug running and all of the benefits and struggles that brings and also Camillo and I just talked about why I can't really talk about his corruption but in a way this show could be two different shows following both of them because this show is packed with so much story like there's just so much that's thrown into it that it's crazy to me that they were able to do it in 13 episodes after watching it i felt like i had watched about three seasons of a show it was one of the ones that was like oh yeah that was only 13 episodes and they're only like 25 minutes long they put so much in each of these episodes it's absolutely insane this was definitely one of my favorite shows it's one of the shows that i wish i could just talk about all of it because there's so much stuff that happens and most of it I consider spoilers like the role that Joseph's sister's boyfriend Bino plays in the show at first it doesn't seem like he'll play a big role at all and then he ends up playing a huge role and Camillo's storyline seems like it's a small one and at first I was like why did they even mention him in the description like I literally don't get it and then the second half of the season happens and you're like oh shit okay okay now I know why they mentioned him cool 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 well not cool because it's it's not a cool storyline but okay like this show was amazing absolutely amazing which leads me to my likes and dislikes and I have absolutely nothing negative to say about this show I thought I knew what I was getting into I thought I knew what the show was going to be and I was sort of right but I wasn't expecting the way the show progressed and it was way better than I thought it was going to be like I said, I, I, I literally couldn't get enough. I just wanted the show to keep going. The fact that it was only 13 episodes pisses me off. 
I was expecting the same crime drama show that's been done a million times. And don't get me wrong, there were definitely some of the same elements, but overall, it was something that I've never seen before. So not knowing what was going to happen was fun. Like, so many of these shows, you can predict how it's going to end. With this one, my prediction changed about 10 different times. I also liked how the show was shot cinematically. There were times where it felt like you were there with them. I think it's because the camera shakes sometimes, so it feels like it's like the movement of a head, That, if that makes sense. But... The way the camera followed them through a room from one room into a hallway and then into another room felt like you were following them, which I thought was really cool. It kind of immersed you into the show. But my favorite thing was that there is a group of rappers that will pop up randomly throughout the show. The first time we see them is when Joseph first goes to see Edgar at the arcade in the first episode. They are outside singing and rapping, but the song that they are rapping is the one that plays while Joseph rides through the city. So whatever they're rapping about, I know there's a, a term for this, like this character has a specific term, but I, I couldn't think of it. If you can think of it, please let me know on Twitter. It's, it's like driving me crazy that I can't figure it out. I know I can just Google it, but I, I'm lazy, so I don't want to. But it's played over the montage. So Joseph and other characters, like when they walk past them, they will interact with them. So it's not like they're like not there, like they are there but they just kind of pop up everywhere like they're always in like some situation where you're like of course these guys are here here they are again and the songs that they were performing were super catchy like i kept trying to use shazam to like find them but i couldn't so if you somehow can figure out what songs they are or how to find them please let me know because they are super catchy but seeing them was definitely like my favorite part of the show i loved seeing them pop up and like like i said the music was just super catchy as far as things that stood out to me there were a lot of things that stood out to me watching the show. The first things have to do with school. So these are some of the differences that I noticed. There's one similarity that I'll talk about at the very end. But the first thing was that they all took their shoes off when entering a classroom. So remember I was talking about how Joseph was joking around with one of his friends that he was taking too long when entering the classroom. And it's because he, he was taking too long taking his shoes off. So that's what Joseph was kind of giving him a hard time about. I'm fairly certain kids got yelled at in my school for taking their shoes off in class. And I mean, mainly it was because they all had smelly feet. And I feel like that's more of a cultural difference than it is just like a school policy difference. The next was that they all stood when their teacher entered the room. I think there were more times in high school than not that half the class didn't even notice if the teacher was in the room or not until they started talking. Like you walked in and it was like no idea. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit. What's up, Mrs. Macero? Didn't even know you were in the classroom. You were like, when did you come in? So I've been here the entire time. Oh. My apologies. Like, I can't imagine ever having an entire class stand up when a teacher walked in. Um, they also stood when answering a question in class. And as someone who didn't even like raising my hand because that was too much attention, I would have hated having to stand when answering. I would have participated less than I already did. Because all of those eyes on me was enough when I was sitting down. Never mind standing up. The last difference that I noticed when it comes to school was that based on a consent form that Joseph has to sign, they are still in school in July. I'm not sure about the schools you guys went to, but we were always out of school by June 30th, the latest. And that was only if we had a ton of snow days that we had to make up. Otherwise, it was like June 24th, June 26th, like still in school in July. And I think it was like mid-July. Like, I don't remember the exact date, but I'm pretty sure it was like mid-July. I would have gone crazy. 
If that isn't a difference for you, meaning you did or do go to school in July or even August, then let me know on Twitter the latest you've ever gotten out of school and when you go back to school. Because if you get out of school in August or July, like when October, November, like when do you go back to school? Because we would go back in September, usually after Labor Day weekend, which this year I think is September 7th. So if we can pull our shit together here in the US, which I don't think we will, then our schools will probably open up, at least where I live, probably Wednesday, September 9th, maybe. If I get that right, I would be shocked because I never knew that when I was actually in school. If I can figure that out now, <laughs> it's about 10 years too late. Anyways, let me know for you guys, because even here in the US, it's not universal. And I think some states go back to school in August and get out in May. But yeah, let me know. Um, I'm curious because I know there are some of you guys are not from the United States that listen to this podcast, which is cool. Hey, it's pretty crazy to me that people like in different countries are listening to my voice. But anyways, yeah, let me know because now I'm curious. So some other differences were that the caskets have like a window type thing that you can look through and see the body. So instead of having an open casket where you can see the person, this casket is closed, but it has a viewing window just near the head. I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's the only way I can think to describe it. So you can see your loved one. I think it has to do with the superstition of allowing the spirit to leave the body because I think you're not supposed to cry on that glass in case that it traps the spirit. I'm not 100% positive of that. I read it at some point. I can't find where I read it. If you know for sure, please let me know. But I'm pretty confident I read that. Another cultural difference that I noticed while they were at the wake where I noticed the viewing window was that Joseph buys some chicks, baby chickens to be more specific, because there is some prostitution in the show and it's not that type of chick. But he places the baby chickens on that viewing window and then he puts some rice out for it and I had never seen that before in any of these shows that I've watched or any wake I've ever been to in real life so I looked it up and in the Philippines it is tradition to place a chick on the casket of someone who died an unjust death to bring justice for them and this is the perfect example of why I love watching these shows and doing this podcast because if I had never watched this show I might have lived my whole life not knowing that and without this podcast, I might not have even found this show. So that to me is a cool bit of information that I never would have known. And for me, like my customs as a, an Irish American Catholic born and raised in Massachusetts, we don't have that type of tradition. So seeing that in another culture is super cool. And it's, like I said, it's the reason why I love doing this podcast. The cultural similarity that I talked about earlier is that they start their school mornings off by singing the national anthem. Here in the U.S., we start every day off by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. So it's not exactly the same, but it is similar. We say it in our classrooms after morning announcements, and they sing while standing in the courtyard lined up with their individual classes around the flag that is there. And while watching these shows, there are so many similarities that I often don't mention any because they're not just similarities between the U.S. and whatever country the show that I'm watching is from. But there's similarities between all of us in the world, so I could be here forever. But seeing this one and knowing that not everyone in the world starts their school days off with this sort of ritual, I was actually excited that I got to mention it because, I, like I said, I know that not everybody in the, in the world starts off by either singing their national anthem or pledging allegiance to their flag. 
so yeah there's probably won't be a lot of similarities that i mentioned but this was definitely one that i could if you guys notice anything while watching the show like other cultural differences or similarities that stood out to you guys even if you're not from the u.s like i said i know there are some listeners from other countries so if there's anything that stands out to you guys as a similarity or difference for your culture from your country then let me know on twitter if there are any that i missed then let me know as well but that is it for this section which brings us to my favorite part of the episode words and phrases and when i went over the language that they speak at the beginning filipino i mentioned that there are some words that were taken from spanish and english and changed or modified to fit the filipino language and i have quite a few examples for you guys so the first one is the word for hello comesta comesta sounds exactly like the spanish phrase como esta if you say it quickly comesta and in Spanish, como esta means how are you? But como esta in Filipino, which is spelled K-U-M-U-S-T-A, is like I said, hello. So they can both be used the same way. Like if you see someone for the first time, you say like, hi, how are you? So hola, como esta, which I'm sure that's where como esta in Filipino comes from. But when he said como esta in the show, I literally just straight up thought he said como esta. So that was turn on Filipino closed captions to make sure that I'm not going crazy. But another word is the word for school. And again, it sounds exactly the same. Escuela. The spelling is different. The Filipino word escuela is spelled how, to me, someone who doesn't speak Spanish would most likely spell escuela if you ask them to sound it out. So in Spanish, it's spelled E-S-C-U-E-L-A. And in Filipino, it is spelled E-S-K-W-E-L-A, escuela. So again, escuela and it means school. Another word is the word for bathroom, baño. In Spanish, it is B-A-N-O, and the N has a tilde over it, and in Filipino, it is B-A-N-Y-O, baño. There are some numbers that again sound the same, and the first one again is also spelt the way I could imagine someone who doesn't speak Spanish spelling out the Spanish word for five. So it is the number five. It is cinco. Again, it sounds exactly the same as the Spanish word cinco. Spanish, it's spelled C-I-N-C-O. And in Filipino, it is spelled S-I-N-G-K-O. So cinco, five. The next is the phrase for 12 o'clock, which is a las doce. Now, 12 in Spanish is doce. It's spelled D-O-C-E. And in Filipino, it is D-O-S-E. So again, 12 o'clock is a las doce, spelled A-L-A-S space D-O-S-E. So a las doce, literally almost the exact same thing as Spanish. I also want to say that there are other ways to say these numbers based on what I saw online. So another way to say five is Lima, for example. It could be a regional thing, but I think Lima is actually Tagalog and Cinco is Filipino, which would be an example of the differences between the languages, even though everyone says that they're the same language. And by everyone, I mean probably non-Filipinos say that they're the same languages. But I couldn't find a clear answer online. So if you know the answer, can you please let me know on Twitter? Because I do want to know if it's a regional thing or if Lima is Tagalog and Cinco is Filipino. But the last word, or technically it's two words, that sound like the Spanish counterpart are tita and tito, which mean aunt and uncle. You will hear them say this throughout the entire show. 
Tita and Tito is a sign, I would probably say, of respect for elders. So they say it for anybody that, even if they're not related to them, they'll say Tito and Tita to show respect to their elders. And they come from the Spanish words for aunt and uncle, tia and tio. So Tita and Tito. Aunt, Tita, uncle, Tito. But now let's get to the words and phrases that don't sound like Spanish at all, because I do have some for you. The first one is the word salamat, and it's spelled S-A-L-A-M-A-T, and it means thank you. And from what I can tell, the emphasis is on the first A in that word, so salamat, salamat, thank you. Next is the word wala, spelled W-A-L-A, and it means nothing, like nothing. Not that it doesn't have a meaning, it just means nothing. Now, if you've listened to my episode about the Israeli show Mossad 101, it was episode six, I believe. And if you haven't listened to it, then go and give it a listen because that show is great as well. But if you have listened to that episode, then you might recognize Wala as meaning really in Hebrew. It's one of the words I went over. They say it all the time when someone says something, they're like, oh, really? Like, Wala? Like, literally, they're saying Wala, Wala. Anyways. But like I said, in Filipino, it means nothing. So what are you doing today? Nothing. What are you doing today? Voila. Right? I've said it before, but when the same words mean different things in different languages, I find it so interesting. So I will mention it. I've mentioned it before, I think with the word tak in Danish, it means thank you. In Polish, it means no. So like stuff like that always interests me. So I will mention those. The spellings are not the same, obviously, because voila in Hebrew is written with Hebrew letters, but I'm still counting it because they sound exactly the same. So, voila in Filipino means nothing, spelled W-A-L-A, voila. The next one is the phrase hindi ko alam, spelled H-I-N-D-I space K-O space A-L-A-M, and it means I do not know. So, hindi ko alam. Hindi is the word no. It's used as an adverb in this phrase. Ko is the word for me, my, mine, or of mine. And alam is the word for knowledge. So Hindi ko alam, I do not know. The last word is nieta, and it is spelled apostrophe N-Y-E-T-A. And it's short for the word punyeta, which means damn, darn, asshole, fuck, or pretty much any vulgar expression of frustration that we use in English. Punyeta is spelled... P-U-N-Y-E-T-A, and the apostrophe was added during the subtitles, so I don't know if you actually need the apostrophe, but I'm including it because that's where it was, and I guess it kind of does make sense because you are shortening the word punyeta. Um, I didn't hear them say punyeta in the show, I just heard nieta, but they do mean the same thing, so you can use whichever one you want, but I'm only counting nieta because that's the only one that I heard. I know that's a lot of words, and I babbled on for a little bit there, but Again, they are como esta, escuela, baño, cinco, a las doce, salamat, wala, hindi ko alam, and nieta. If you guys pick up any words or phrases, or if those words or phrases mean a different word in your language or a language that you know, then let me know on Twitter. Again, that stuff genuinely does interest me. And I'm going to start wrapping this episode up. I didn't recognize any of the actors. If you guys do, let me know on Twitter. But like I said, that's all I have for Amo. There is no news about whether there will be a second season or not. The show did get a lot of backlash from the Philippine government. 
because of its portrayal of the drugs and there were some groups that had a problem with it as well saying that this show glorifies it i mentioned that earlier the director came out and said that it doesn't glorify it that it shows it for what it is and the war on drugs that was put forth by the philippine president has resulted in tens of thousands of people's lives lost so do keep that in mind while watching it this is a very realistic take on a very realistic problem that the philippines is having both on drugs and corruption so i don't know if there will be a second season because of that backlash i hope there will be these types of shows that are real takes on real situations interests me if i see any news about a second season then i will let you guys know as I said at the beginning, if you guys have any suggestions for any shows that you want me to watch, then let me know on either Twitter or the Facebook page. I do want to watch a show from all of the countries available before I go back and cover a show from a country that I've already talked about on this podcast. But if you have a suggestion from any country at all, then let me know and I will watch it and then go over it. The countries I have coming up are New Zealand, United Arab Emirates, China, Sweden, Lebanon, Australia, Jordan, the Netherlands, Iceland, Singapore, Egypt, Russia, Malaysia, Bahrain, Chile, Saudi Arabia, and Kuwait. I do have shows picked out for each of them, which is how I know that the countries are there. I have watched some already, like I've watched the show for New Zealand, which is next week, United Arab Emirates, China, Sweden, Australia, Jordan, the Netherlands, Iceland, Singapore, and I think that's it. I'm trying to think real quick. I think that's it. I think those are the countries that I've watched. Um, but I am open to changing the shows that I'll be covering. So just because I've already watched them, if you have a suggestion, I will change it to one that you want me to watch. And of course, I will shout you out if you do give me a suggestion. I'm going to be honest in the review. If you ask me to watch the show, I will watch it and I will cover it. But I will be honest of whether or not I like the show or not. If there's a country that I haven't covered and that I didn't mention just now, and there's a show that you want me to watch, let me know. I check Netflix and Hulu every week or so for any new shows. The list of countries keeps growing, but I know that I'm missing some, so please let me know if you have any requests. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you watch the show. It was really, really good. I hope you guys all have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week. Stay safe, social distance, wash your hands. Next episode, I will be talking about the New Zealand comedy drama Filthy Rich. Have you seen it? Because I have.